CDC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community. And subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible, and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have Clary Chambers on the show today. As the founder of Spark Clarity, Clary is inspiring others to live their lives authentically, using her own experiences as fuel to help others to take charge of their lives and find happiness. Clary offers coaching, keynotes, and workshops powered by self-love. When Clary began Spark Clarity, she focused on encouraging women to conquer their doubts and move past their fears. As she has come into her own queer identity, she has expanded her practice to all but especially women, non-binary, and trans folks. Her work inspires folks to take ownership of their success and offers strategies built on intention for women to build a happy and healthy life. Clary has worked with organizations such as Carleton University's Pop the Stigma campaign for mental health and Ottawa's Uproar Festival, which supports loud and proud feminists and artists. Clary has also collaborated with brands including Creative Morning, Sage Wellness, Lululemon, City of Ohm, Pure Yoga, and the Royal Mental Health Hospital. Whether Clary is guiding a raw and self-love driven workshop or reminding her audience of what they're capable of through her affirmative sticker sheets and journal prompts, Spark Clarity has allowed Clary to connect with folks in a way she could not have imagined before. 
In today's show, we will talk to Clary about why she began Spark Clarity, the relationship she has built through helping others, and the future of her work and role as an advocate and coach in the mental health and accessibility space. Welcome to the show, Clary. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and also record with you in person. This, this is, is super cool. <laughs> wonderful. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. So I like to start with a good origin story. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you into this business? For sure. For me, I started with my business with Spark Clarity in August of 2017. And a little bit before that, I was encouraged by a friend to start sharing my story and my journey with mental health. They had someone come into their work and just speak about their experience and said, you should do that. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't know the terms or the words, you know, to use. And they said, this person spoke about their experience and in doing so was able to help others. And I really think you should do the same. I gave myself a practice run. I spoke uh, in front of uh, 60 girls in my sorority uh, and it went amazing. Uh, People both cried and laughed. So I felt that was good. And in um, August, 2017, Spark Clarity was born with the intention to empower folks to live their most authentic lives. For me, I wanted to see more people who looked like myself in giving out messages, being a young person of color, a woman who's also queer. That's not something I was seeing in terms of speakers, in terms of people giving inspiration to others. And I really wanted to be what I never saw. And I think that's very similar to the work that you do in creating spaces and funding projects that you never saw or that you hope to have in the world. Absolutely. And I think without us being out there, Others don't even know what they can do in the world. And you felt that yourself as you were starting the company. Yes. And so what has the role been of mentorship and and people in the space that you look up to who look like you? um, How has that impacted you in your journey? I think uh, for me, it's been interesting because growing up uh, in a biracial household, the role models that are role models for me are uh, women that are both women of color and, uh, and women who are not. And so, but when I look at myself and when I go to, uh, events and I'm in different spaces, it becomes quite clear, especially since I moved to Ottawa for school from, I lived in Brampton, uh, in the GTA and it is extremely diverse, uh, which is wonderful. So coming to Ottawa, I was really like, where is everybody else? <laughs> where are we hiding? <laughs> so for me, I've, I've really been drawn to, uh, people who not only look like me, but people who are sharing their stories uh, so vulnerably and are willing to give back. And that has made all the difference for me, being able to see other people doing the work, especially like what you said, you don't even imagine yourself doing some of those things because you've never seen anyone do it before. Absolutely. And something that we chatted about on Instagram Mm -hmm. a while ago was around conference representation. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences recently with conferences that use people of color in their uh, messaging and in their marketing, but then when you get there, the diversity doesn't equate to what's on stage? Yes, that's, I think that's amazing. And I'm glad that even before we started recording, you had brought up that example because I was very uh, disheartened and very sad, to be honest. And it's frustrating because I'm sitting here, you know, looking through an Instagram page that actually came up to me sponsored. So I'm like, okay, cool. Instagram algorithms. This is for me. And I'm looking through it and I'm seeing tons of representation, both in like celebrity representation, uh, pictures of Oprah, pictures of Michelle Obama, um, and 
And then also uh, different people and folks, I guess, that, you know, had went to events or and that sort of thing. So going to their speaker lineup, I thought, oh, this is perfect. They're going to have a really diverse group and maybe even, uh, you know, to see what 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 could it be. And then looking at uh, the speakers that they had for this conference, and it was a conference run in Canada and they had no speakers of color on their lineup at all. So I actually sent them an email and I just said, um, love your, you know, love what your mission is and what you stand for. And I just said, uh, I noticed that you didn't have any uh, women of color uh, or any black women on your speaker panel, but your uh, Instagram shows that. And so does your Facebook. And you see that so clearly. So I said, in case you don't know um, any uh, women of color who are available for your date, I'm available and gave them all my contact information. I never heard back, but uh, that's uh, it's been something that I not only see online, but I also see in person. I'm usually one of the only uh women of color. And I'm usually one of the only people of color, even if there's both men and women um, or other folks at conferences, it's uh, definitely not the representation of the, the people that make up our country for sure. Absolutely. And what would you suggest, because you have also done some consulting around this yes. um, to allow people who are listening, and this might be a blind spot that they didn't even think about, mm-hmm. they, that they are now aware of where they are realizing, hey, I need to be more inclusive and thoughtful. Um, what strategies do you have in mind for them that they could employ to, to get more diversity on stage and make it a part of their ethos in a bigger way? I think that's a great question because often I think that we're kind of in this phase of, you know, people are, you know, complaining or venting about different things with no um, actionable steps in order to take. And I think that the big thing, and I've spoken with lots of people, is that there's a level of ignorance um, in terms of just not even realizing. But I think that what that is, is it goes back to who are the people who are running these events. And so if you look at the makeup of whoever's in charge of this conference or uh, event, and there is only, you know, one type of uh, gender representation or ability, you know, if there's no folks that are uh, disabled or impaired in any ways, you're only going to get that one area of thought. And I think the biggest thing is that people um, kind of need to lose the hit to the ego and just, and realize that, you know, you didn't know and you made a mistake and it wasn't something that you were prioritizing, but now that you know better, you can do better. And I think that's been the biggest barrier because it's not that we can't find those people. And it's not that, oh, well, there's no speakers or really rad business owners that exist. <laughs> and I think it's a little bit of, you know, you have to realize that in the past it was not a priority and we need to do better. And I want to share this because I think it's important when we created Dream Girl, it was it was very important to us that we have diverse representation on screen. And we had four of our five main characters were women of color. And even with Thrive, it's been intentionally made in a way where we have people of color as our interviews at least 25, if not 40% of the time. So that's something that it it happens if you have individuals who are of that lived experience in leadership positions. Mm -hmm. So for our audience, know that this is something that is really critical because a significant part of your customer base may be um, underrepresented through your product. And you could both increase the bottom line, but also your impact on those communities if you prioritize this. Definitely. And I think that's very obvious when you are also going to events and you're looking at even the attendees that are coming. And I think that it 
it breaks it down to there's groups of people um, all over the world. And if we're even just talking about Canada that are marginalized and they're not often thinking then that they are going to be thought of or are going to be uh, put forward. So it doesn't it's it has to be very clear and it has to be very uh, intentional in creating spaces for everyone to thrive. Absolutely. So let's get back to your business okay. specifically. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, thank you for diving down that, that uh, aspect of things with me, but tell me more about Spark Clarity and your mission with your work. Okay. So with Spark Clarity, um, the whole reason for even starting was that I wanted to, and still will be uh, creating an adult summer camp. I felt that what I was missing in my life were spaces where I could, um, laugh, grow, play, and heal. Uh, and those were things that I really needed for myself with having a chronic invisible illness. I have fibromyalgia and with starting Spark Clarity, it really was interesting because what came about as, you know, a passion project really became my full-time work fairly fast. And that's because I needed to create an environment that would support me. And I wasn't able to find that in other things. And for me, I really enjoy so much bringing people together. I feel that in my life, I was definitely lacking a sense of community and purpose. And so with Spark Clarity, I run workshops and talks all over uh, North America. So far, I'm at 40 talks that I've done since I've started in 2017. Congratulations. Thank you. Which is a huge number that is just, uh, it's kind of come up that way. And with Spark Clarity too, I do also coaching and consulting, uh, talking with business owners and community partners on how we can better serve uh, people in the community in terms of mental health and accessibility and making spaces more inclusive. And as well, I feel very multi-passionate entrepreneur within my own business here. We've started to create offerings, uh, me and my partner uh, who had partnered on with me to create a Spark Clarity journal prompts, which uh, have gone so fantastic. They're which I have here in the studio yeah. and I'm so excited to use myself. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be great. I'm really excited to see you use them too. So um, can I explain what they Absolutely. are? Absolutely. Okay. So we created um, this past year, Spark Clarity Journal Prompts. And right on the envelopes, they say love infused uh, journal prompts. And so the idea was uh, my partner, Emily, being an avid journaler and myself uh, being someone who always wants to journal. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was like, that sounds nice, but I feel like the commitment is too large to get into a book that says every day you need to write down a sense of inspiration or, you know, fill in these spots. So we felt that what was out there in the market was, uh, was too restrictive to already have a journal set for you that says, this is how many lines of feelings you're supposed to put in, in this area. And then, you know, expand it over here. So instead what we did is we created a sticker sheet. And these sticker sheets are, they're transparent, they're beautiful stickers, and they can go on to a journal that you already own. They can go onto a mirror, they can go onto a water bottle on the back of a phone, anywhere where you need um, some more inspiration. And they're, they're love infused. They allow us to reflect on the things in our lives that we are already doing well in and things where we can have growth. Fantastic. So you were mentioning to me a bit about the sourcing. I'd love to know yes. how you came across the people that you worked with. Okay. So with the sourcing for our journal prompts, uh, they were a hundred percent made in Canada. So we looked at different things and 
I think that coming back to your first question on mentorship, when you're starting something, you often ask people and ask different folks, like, what do you suggest? Like, where should we look into? And the places and the recommendations that we were getting to us didn't feel right. And it, uh, Emily had brought up a very important piece when we were looking at this. And uh, she had said, our wellness doesn't matter more than others. And from myself, I come from a human rights background at Carleton. And we talked a lot about uh, supply chains and and the, um, the work of women, especially in other uh, countries and the ones that are usually doing the work. Um, so we felt that I, and I almost had this vision of us uh, like stepping on the heads of these other women in order to build ourselves up in North America. Uh, and just that didn't feel right. So we decided instead that we were only going to go with places and businesses, not only that were in Canada, but businesses that we knew. So the sticker sheets were sourced uh, on uh, Vancouver Island from Metropole printing and are so fantastic. We worked with um, Izzy from IP Designs in Ottawa here to get the actual design made. The envelopes are from the papery in Ottawa. Uh, the, even the tape on the back that you'll see is really funky tape. It's from the gifted type on Elgin. And we went with rickshaw printing for the the inserts that are that you see that explain everything. So 100% in Canada and all businesses that we know, love and already support it. I highly recommend everyone go and get their journal prompts. So can you tell everyone where they can find them both locally and if they're not in Ottawa? Yeah, definitely. So starting locally, um, they're available in two stores. They're available at the Gifted Type on Elgin and Singing Pebble Bookstore on Main Street. And that's also in Ottawa. And then if you are in beautiful British Columbia, they are available on Vancouver Island in person um, at Artisan Garden in Souk, BC. And then if you're like, I'm not in any of those places, <laughs> they are available online. You can go to sparkclarity.ca. They ship right now to Canada. We are about to do a restock. And after that, they'll be available internationally as well. I'm so pumped for the growth of this. Thank and you. I'd also love to know the one of the other, other verticals in your business around the coaching and consulting that you do. So you had taken on coaching clients last uh, or last quarter and the end of last year. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with this cohort of folks you worked with and what you loved about it okay. and what lit you up? Okay, so... I started to get asked to coach uh, last year. So I'm really only in like uh, August of 2019 will be two years with the business, but I only started working full time in the business. This is like month nine. So I got, which is huge. <laughs> Thank you. I started to get asked to coach uh, when I was like, 23. <laughs> and I remember being like, what am I going to give you in terms of like life advice? Cause uh, folks are asking if I was a life coach. And I was also projecting though, because I had other people tell me before, well, you're only this age, like what in life will you be able to tell me? But I think that what I offer um, in coaching is that through the uh, illness that I have, I continuously every day, moment to moment, come up with creative solutions to live and thrive in a world that is not usually set up for me. And so having this knowledge and being able to have already overcome so much adversity at such a young age, I don't see any problem that cannot be fixed. There's a creative solution to get from any point you want to do. And for myself, through my own journey, I've realized that support is so integral. Like you need support in life. So basically what I offer through coaching um, to the coaching clients that I've worked with so far, so far, I've worked with uh, five different businesses. And in that I offer support, inspiration and guidance and accountability. But also I think fun. 
I think that uh, it's it's hard when, I mean, I've only been in business here for two years, but you get caught up in the day to day. You have so many big ideas and big dreams and life is there, whether it's health, family. So what I've done is come in with these businesses and given them these perspectives of how can they make their businesses more accessible and what it is like one project that you want to launch and what, what dream do you want to actualize? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And tell us a little bit about maybe one of your favorite success stories okay. uh, with, yeah. with that first cohort. Um, so I worked with um, one of my great friends, Jocelyn. She's an artist and her uh, intention was to launch an Airbnb experience. She uh, felt that, you know, she wasn't a confident uh, artist, even though you see her work in it. It's stunning. And working with her was amazing because in doing the coaching work, I could see that there was also like work. You could see there was changes like in her life as well. The best part about that experience was that, um, at one point, uh, Jocelyn's like potential, like kind of like outrun, like what I was able to keep up with because they were just so inspired to do the work. So after three months, which was shorter than the time that we wanted to work together, it was supposed to be done over six months. She launched her Airbnb experience and is running tons of, uh, workshops that help people heal through painting. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's so amazing to hear that the momentum that you were able to help them build just helped them launch even faster. So, so, so great. The work that you're offering. Thank you. Um, And on that disability perspective, when you're talking to look, thinking of local businesses and how they can become more accessible, um, what seeds can you plant in our audience's mind as they're building their user experiences or if they're a brick and mortar, how can they be more thoughtful about uh, making a more inclusive space? Right. So I was actually having this conversation um, today with a friend in terms of like, what are the barriers that are stopping people from doing this? Because when you would like talk with anyone in, you know, your group or network and you would ask them like, do you, you know, do you think we should make our businesses accessible for everyone? I can't imagine many people would probably say no, No. not at all. It's, (laughs) It's yeah, for sure. Totally. So I think that what businesses and organizations need to start with is looking at already who accesses their space. Because you already have people that are going there, whether there's obstacles to interact with their business or not. If it's a, say like, for example, a physical space, there might be additional steps, lighting, sound, all of these things may be throwing off someone's experience, but they're still in the space. So I would start by asking first your employees, what do you think that we could do to make this place more accessible? Because they're the usually the ones that are there more in some cases than the actual business owner themselves. They see what it looks like when someone's struggling to get in the door. They see what it looks like when someone is, you know, not able to reach something on a shelf or is not able to see the signs or wasn't able to uh, even get to the space in the first place. And also then to ask your customers, like what would make this experience more accessible, more inclusive for you? If you start with the people that are already accessing the space, that ripple effect is going to grow. When people feel valued, they share their experience. Absolutely. And I'm in the process of potentially opening my first co-work space yes. in, here in Ottawa that we eventually want to scale nationally for to integrate wellness and, and work together and, and impact. And when we were looking at buildings, mm-hmm. it blew my mind how many were not already accessible. Oh, yes. And that even Huge. asking as a future tenant or owner of the building that this wasn't a priority or hasn't been a priority for business owners, land landlords, all of these different folks. And that blew my mind. Like this is a really important, like this is people's lives. Yes. We have to be able to take into account 
our user experience, if we're looking at it from a bottom line perspective Mm -hmm. and think of if we are here to make people's lives better, then we should actually do that for as many people in society as we can. Yes, absolutely. And not just say that. I feel that another thing is a offering is something that you can do is look at the policies that you have in place. Most, I think the ways that we think about making a space accessible is reactive. So instead of being proactive, so instead of, for example, you're thinking proactively. So before you sign the contract, before you get into the building, asking already those things, although, you know, those business owners or land and property owners, maybe their thinking hasn't been so proactively um, right now. But if you think about your own physical space as a business owner, whether it's, um, you know, in the cloud or not, (laughs) or not, uh, cannot be tangible, or if it's in person, think about how you would accommodate somebody who needs there to be something different happening with the sound. For example, that's a trigger for me for pain is loud sounds, uh, before someone comes into your space, like, is there going to be a remote that's accessible? Like, is the music controlled by someone's phone and it's only one person's phone? Like how, how do these things happen before you're faced with them? I think that can make all the difference. And in terms of online experiences, mm-hmm. um, what, cause you meant you reached out to me once about, uh, the caption writing software that I use for Instagram posts. Yes. So what are some ways that we can make things more accessible online? Okay. So when I talk about accessibility, for the most part, I speak from my own experience as somebody who has an invisible, uh, illness and disability as well. And I think the captions are a great start. Not only is it great because most folks are listening to their Instagram stories in the bathroom <laughs> at, their place, Low key. <laughs> at their place of work or in the bathroom at like a restaurant. And so, you know, or late at night while their partner is sleeping or whatever. So not only is that great, but for me, even like I have a learning disability, being able to see something in text and hearing you speak verbally allows me to really understand what you're saying. I lose like 50% if I don't have both. So that's definitely one. Another thing to do would be to um, really, again, speak to the people that, you know, your audience or your potential audience. I know friends who are visually impaired and there's different things with text and different colors that can be used. I can't speak to what would be the exact ones, but in those instances, uh, it's it's best to ask, like what, what would it, uh, that would be better? I'm trying to think of anything that comes to mind straight away for digital spaces. I think that, um, oh, having optimal um, ways in which to view um, your websites and to view text and information. So I use a software, uh, Dragon Software, also um, Kurtzwell is another uh, one. People that um, have uh, intellectual disabilities and things like that would be familiar with them, but you cannot use talk to text software if all of your text is embedded in the image. Oh, that's so when we're making really cool graphics with all the info and I'm trying to use my talk to text software to read me the page, it just skips the photo. So having those informations and I'm sure people who are in the world of uh, web design and graphic design have all the tools that you need to be able to put alt text on those images so that when the software hits uh, that photo, the alt text will describe to it what is in that picture. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's not even like, and that's why I wanted to ask because I knew there was things that were blind spots for me, just like we started this conversation with that I need to fill myself to be more inclusive and accessible and thoughtful. So thank you for that. No problem. So I love to go from our conversations about work into now wellness. And this is a space that you, 
you've had to prioritize your health because of your invisible illness, your fibromyalgia. So can you tell me a little bit about strategies and ways that you, you, what it took for you to live and now be able to start your business? Because when you have chronic illness like that, like we know that that is very difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. So starting from the place, because I feel that a lot of listeners to this podcast are either in the early stages of their business and maybe potentially working, you know, somewhere else still. And I think that for me, what, what allowed me to be able to get to the place where I am when I started my business, I, um, was, was off work. I had burnt out completely from my first job outside of university, but also with that, I wasn't being honest, um, with the accommodations that I needed. And so that's a huge thing. And these are even accommodations, even being, you know, my own boss, quote unquote, I continuously engage in other people's spaces. So even in recording this podcast, I requested like different seating and to be able to sit and stand, um, while I'm, a recording here. So one thing, uh, Komal, that I come across a lot when I do talks or um, when I am talking about my business to anyone, strangers on the street, because I tell anybody <laughs> who will listen or doesn't want to listen about it. Um, I get asked a lot, how are you able to do what you do with having the chronic illness you have? Uh, they'll say either that's what they have or other folks they know, family have it. And they were like, I, I can't even imagine them to have the energy. So for me, in order to be well in business, and I think you speak so amazingly to this, and it's I find you such a huge role model for myself to know that there's other people who believe in the same thing, but believe in it enough to actually say it and also to make it a core value, a core value. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my business is core space <laughs> of, um, of everything there. So for myself, I have to, first, I have to speak up for myself. I have to be my own advocate and I have to continuously ask and in some cases demand for what I need in order to thrive. And that can be, um, changes in light. It can mean that I need, um, time off. I need to be outside and I need to make sure that I'm exercising and have enough time to get to the many appointments, um, which is physio, uh, chiropractor. Uh, my physio is actually hot yoga. I've, I've coined that for myself, uh, massage therapy and counseling. That's something that are like non-negotiables, especially counseling that I go to weekly. And that's something for myself, but in it, but in business and to get to this point, um, I couldn't work full time in a job and then have full time in my business or the side hustle, as people say. For me, my health is a full time job. So I couldn't have three jobs. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't working. So even though I was working for um, a company that was accommodating, because I feel that the accommodations weren't happening in a proactive way, by the time everything came to me, I was already six months in the job and I wasn't able to thrive. So for me, my health has been non-negotiable because at the end of it, all we have is our health and we can't do anything without it. And I think that by prioritizing wellness and my health over everything, I've shown other business owners and other people in the community that it is possible to do what you love for work and still take care of your body in the process. And I think that's critical. So many of our listeners, I'm sure are living with invisible illness and aren't able to share it, don't know how to share it at work. Even in my own team, like it's a conversation I have to proactively bring up with my team because there's so much shame around being unwell, Yeah, but so many of us are unwell. 
And I think just destigmatizing that through the conversation like this on a platform like this, that is so business focused is so critical so that we can share that collectively and say, Hey, my hands up. Like I have things in the background that make my body not function the way that it may be quote unquote should. Mm -hmm. And so I have to set some boundaries and ask for some accommodations. So thank you for helping, helping us navigate that. You're welcome. So when you do kind of hit you, you feel the wall coming. Okay. How do you pull back? How do you like remember that? Okay. I can't go that fast or, and sometimes with physical illness, it's like you literally can't, but there is that point inflection point where it's like, I'm almost there. I can be aware of this and now come back. What, what does that look like for you? So that's something that I have to navigate through daily and something that I still find really hard. If I'm being completely honest, it's something that I sometimes still feel devastated by. I was in a car accident when I was 17 and uh, I'm 26 now, but from that point on, I, you know, my whole life changed. And I mean, yes, I was only 17, but I still feel that I have my 17 year old mindset of the person that I thought I would have been and the way in which I feel my brain thinks that I can interact. Uh, (laughs) So for example, it's, it's like scheduling yourself. And I know that's something, you know, we talked about, you know, even before we recorded and, and in remembering that wall and trying not to hit that because it is more expensive and time consuming to recover from absolute burnout than it is to take a break. And I think that when we are in those moments, we, we forget that. Uh, I have had so many days where my mind is like, boom, boom, boom. I have like major ideas. It's just like, you know, if anybody uh, is, has a Shopify store as I do, you like that cha-ching that comes in when you get a sale. Like it's like my brain and I'm feeling this, but my body's saying like, this is, you've hit your max. I've, I've learned that about four to six hours of work a day is my max for sustainability long-term. And then some days my body just gives out. So with your question, having uh, a mindset of self-compassion and self-kindness is basically the only thing that keeps me from hitting that wall and from feeling that the illness that I have is somehow um, shameful, which I felt for many years and still sometimes do, and that it's stopping me from reaching a potential instead of seeing it as something that's giving me like an accurate reading right away of the spaces I'm in, the people I'm uh, with, and what feels good and what doesn't. Like I won't be, you know, in a friendship for like 25 years before I realize it's, you know, it's kind of like an hour with somebody that's bad energy to know that that's not going to be something for me. So self-compassion, self-kindness and keeping centered to your why. So for me, I, I want to create spaces for people to laugh, grow, play and heal. If I'm not at my best or if I am pushing myself too much, I'm not going to be able to enjoy the spaces I'm working so hard to create. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. So when you, when you are describing this wellness practice, um, do you need to stand? Okay. Yeah. So we'll just give you a sec. Perfect. I'm good whenever you are. Okay. Perfect. I actually had lost my question. So it was the perfect time to, for me to. Oh, yes. So thank you for sharing that so beautifully. And my next question for you is, 
we talked a little bit about this before we got on the air, but uh, imposter syndrome. Yes. This is something that you were pumped to share about it <laughs> and, and discuss here on the show. And I, uh, in regards to, for me, I've been talking a lot, about, a lot about it on my, on my Insta stories with my audience and sharing that when I'm tired, it's like self-doubt imposter syndrome just rears its head like mad, which is, which was last week for me. I was close to my wall mm. and I had to pull back and massage and all of these and do massage, chiro therapy, like all of those things, get it back on the books. Cause yeah. I had, it's like, I had forgot, but imposter syndrome came up. So, so tell me what, what are your thoughts? What did you want to share about this? So I was like, so amped up to be like, come on, I want to share about imposter syndrome because I was listening to the podcast and listening to the episodes. And I got into listening to the second episode that you had recorded. And I immediately thought, what the hell were they thinking with asking me to come on? I was like, these women are dope. But you're dope. <laughs> Thank you. I feel dope. <laughs> um, but I was just like blown away. But I think that I'm also was blown away because when am I ever hearing stories of really epic women? It's very rare that I'm, you know, it's like story after story. Usually it's like, let's read a book. One page is dedicated to one woman. The rest is everyone else. So it was, I think it's also a combination of me never really hearing about badass women um, and folks, you know, who identify, you know, as such that I was feeling like, oh no, I don't deserve to be here. But then I reminded myself of something that I thought would be really important to share. And as being um, a black queer woman um, in Ottawa, I often find myself the only person of color in many spaces from coffee shops to the yoga studio um, to conferences, you know, that we talked about. And I remember, uh, you know, and tell myself this by being here and by being in this space, you are showing other people that you deserve to be there. And if I was to leave, because as you know, Michelle Obama talks about in her book, the, um, emotional labor it is to be the only person of color in a space and to know that other people won't understand your experience as, you know, maybe being a, a child of immigrants or, um, what that looks like to deal with racism and, and things like that. And so what I would like to tell other people who are especially people of color, who are find themselves in a marginalized group, who are non-binary, who are trans, um, that if you are in these spaces, what you are makes you unique and it makes you stand out. But it definitely is something that can build not only yourself up, your communities up, but other people too. <laughs> That's end. And and that with the imposter syndrome, I think it's because I look around the room and because I physically uh, see no one that looks like me, I think even more I shouldn't be here. And so it's something that I'm constantly working through, but I was reminded and I'm reminding, I was reminding myself, I was like, Clary, this, you, because you continue to show up in these spaces that were not set up for you, that were not set up for you to thrive. You got asked to be on this podcast. You got asked to do 40 events because I've, I pushed myself to be in those spaces and for showing up for myself continuously, I made a name for myself and you, and everybody can, and you can do it too. Yes, you can. <laughs> I can, even though it's hard. And that's something that I say in my talks, reminding people that you can, even before it's hard, because obviously you can say it's hard. I can do it anyways, but you can, even when it's hard. 
And I, I will share too that like, even when I think of this show sometimes in the female entrepreneur space, it's a, it's not a very diverse space a lot of the time. Right. And there are a lot of folks who are up and coming and I love following, uh, there's certain, uh, really, really incredible business women who we've interviewed on this show and others who are on my dream list in the business world to bring on the show. But as a host, there's not a, there aren't a lot of women of color hosts of shows like this. So no. it means the world that this is a platform I get to take on. And, and thank you to all of our listeners for, for joining me on this journey every week and also for supporting incredible business women like Clary, um, as they're on the up and up and making our lives better. So I like to get into a little bit of impact now at this point in okay. the show. So I'd love to know what gets you going. Like, what is that legacy that you want to leave, uh, through your work? What keeps you going every day in terms of your mission? Okay. I think that's such a great question. And I really like the way that, uh, with your own business, you have, um, that impact, especially as part of it. Cause for me coming back to that, why is something why being like, why do I do the work that I do for the hopes of an impact is something that keeps me going, especially when I'm having a chronic pain flare up or my, I'm having brain fog or something is just not clicking in my body. And I hope to just continue to destigmatize uh, speaking about how we feel. I think that there's been a lot of trauma, um, within, you know, my own life and, um, with my folks and family, because people have felt that they weren't able to speak up and that there would be nobody who would understand them. And before I started speaking, before I was on this journey, I didn't know a single person who had fibromyalgia. And every day I, I literally meet someone who does because it's invisible. You can't see it. And it's, and people don't talk about it because they're not understood. And I, and I hope that, um, you know, when I'm like, 80 years old and rocking it with like a pepper gray fro. <laughs> and I'm just looking back on like whatever digitalness is the world. Hopefully we've solved climate change. But um, when I look back on those things, I, I hope that I can see a group of people all over the world who are having tough conversations, but are doing it in, in a way where there's love, humor, laugh and laughter and connection and that we continue just to ripple, um, that and to actually create spaces for the people that have been underrepresented, represented <laughs> over time. So that's what I, I hope that the legacy can be. I hope there's a lot of laughter. I feel that life is very hard and we have to take the good moments and we have to really enjoy them. Absolutely. One of my things that I say is you hear me before you see me because I just <laughs> laughter do. is so key. It's such a big part of this life and the yes. joy. And if we're not joyful in our journey, especially as entrepreneurs where it can be so hard, then what's the point? Like yes. this is not, we're not here to just suffer. We're here to actually enjoy our lives and uh, our businesses. So my last question for you is okay. what advice do you have for our listeners, for women entrepreneurs to thrive in their lives and their business? I would say that have fun with it too. I think that's something that I even told myself before I got here. I was like, isn't this fun? Like I've like a little bit stressed, you know, I want to be on time. And my biggest advice would be to have fun with it, um, to surround yourself with people who believe in you, to surround yourself with people who are, like are just your pump up squad, but to also surround yourself with people who are going to question you, who are going to continue to point you back to what your like North star is so that you don't lose yourself in it as well. I, my, another advice would be to start before you're ready 
You're never going to feel um, to contact people that you're scared to talk to. That's what I did with Como. <laughs> I just sent her an email, <laughs> not for the podcast, but uh, we've been friends now. And uh, before that, I, I just sent her an email because I was inspired by the work that you do. Uh, I'd seen you talk before and it was so nerve wracking <laughs> to do that. But it was only because I, I really wanted that connection and be brave uh, with yourself and reach out to anyone in the world that you want to talk to. You may be surprised who replies. Absolutely. And it, you don't know if you don't try. You That's don't one of my biggest ethos in life. And definitely get outside. Yes. Um, time just either is going way too slow or way too fast. I feel like there's not really a medium. And if you are not experiencing the world that's happening while you're trying to build the business of your dreams, you're going to miss out on the dream because you'll be unwell. Um, get outside, <laughs> drink water, get yes. outside, drink water, get outside, be happy. Yes. All of these pieces are so critical. So thank you so much, Clary, for joining me today in studio for oh, the Thrive welcome. Podcast and let the audience know where they can find you. Yeah, definitely. So you can find me online everywhere at Spark Clarity. And you can also find me uh, on my website, www.sparkclarity.ca. Uh, you can probably also find me on the sidewalks. Um, <laughs> I, I usually am asking everyone how their day is going. So if you see a long line, up somewhere, I might be at the front of it. <laughs> Thank you so much, You're Clary. Welcome. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. <laughs> <laughs>